All right, welcome in, my AP World Warriors. Good to have you here for the first podcast of the year. First of many, I hope you enjoy them. Uh, I hope that eventually you will find these things oddly comforting, uh, relaxing, enjoyable, and hopefully interesting. But today is a very important episode because today is the crash course in everything we aren't going to talk about in class. Uh, as you know, I, or at least I hope you know, world history, AP world history specifically, has changed its curriculum. We are no longer covering everything from the dawn of civilization to current day, like we do in regular world history. We are now covering only things from 1200 CE, basically the Middle Ages, to today. So about 820 years. Um, That leaves a lot of stuff out. A lot of very important stuff, a lot of very big setups, mainly, that you need to understand reference to to really grasp things in this class. Now, do I agree with the AP teaching it this way? Not really. Is there anything I can do to change it? Not really. So, hopefully this will provide a thorough reference guide for you guys to look back at anything you may need to know about before the year 1200. So, what were the major points in history? Who were the big deals? What were the big connections, the trends, the the events that took place between the dawn of humanity and the year 1200 CE? Uh, we're about to talk about it. So, Strap in, buckle up, and uh, grab something to write with if you do so choose. But we will begin now. All right, so we're going to begin with the beginning. Um, mankind first began to populate the Earth roughly 100,000 years ago. Uh, this number obviously is a very very soft estimate we do not know even close to the exact year but the earliest remains that have been found as of yet have been a hundred thousand or so years old um these were the very very first humans to walk on their two legs to be fully evolved to be the human species that we are now today and they came out of Africa. Now, you may have heard that noise. I hope you did. That's my favorite little tool, the uh, the air horn button, the hype button. Uh, whenever you hear that, that means that I'm about to, or I just said, a very important little detail. So, first important detail of this podcast. First humans came out about 100,000 years ago from Central Africa. Now, Moving on, a whole lot of people living and dying and, you know, just getting by, camping, moving around, eating enough to not starve, wandering around Africa happened for roughly 50,000 years or so. The whole first half of our lifespan 
as a species was basically just trying to figure out what we were and how things worked. Um, what animals would and wouldn't kill us? What foods could we eat? What did the sun do to us? Uh, what was the difference in walking around at nighttime versus the daytime? Believe it or not, these earliest humans were just test dummies for all that kind of info. Um, they did not have cities. They did not have empires uh, or major historical, you know, groups. They were mostly lone family tribes, you know, groups of five, ten, a dozen, maybe 20 at the biggest or 30. Um, and they were very mobile. They did not live in one place for very long. They tended to live wherever their food was. They, they, they packed up and moved anytime the food, the, the game, the hunting animals would move around. Uh, or where the wild crops could be picked during the spring and summer. Uh, or the nuts could be harvested from trees, things like that. Um, their life kind of circulated around when and where they could get food. Um, the fact that these people did not settle in one permanent place means they are what were called nomads. Now, nomads just means humans who don't live any specific place. They are constantly on the move, and they don't really have a home permanently. Um, by the time this class picks up in 1200 CE, the nomads are all but gone, except for a couple of isolated groups, one of which will be very important, but we'll get to that later. Um, but the nomads in a 100,000 BC, 50,000 BC, are everybody. Now, about 50,000 BC, these nomads spread out. They leave from the central part of Africa, and they head in every direction. They go to the northwest and towards Europe. They go to the northeast, towards the Middle East, towards Russia, towards Asia. Um, from there, they go across Asia eventually, about 10,000 years ago. They finally arrive in what would be modern-day Alaska and Canada. Um, some of them get to the edge of Asia, figure out how to navigate the sea, and end up in Australia uh, about twenty to 30,000 years ago. That happened. But let's put a hard number on it, not an exact number, but just for you know, perspective, by about 8,000 years ago, humans were spread out to all the areas that become livable Earth today. The Americas, Africa, Europe, Asia, the Middle East, uh, Australia, all that stuff. Um, we're still talking about nomadic groups. We're still talking about people that hunt animals and gather wild food for existence, um, not educated, not civilized, not permanent dwellers. They, they, they were always on the move. Um, these are the people that you would probably hear referred to as the cave people or cavemen, that kind of thing. When you see the cartoons, the guys with clubs and, you know, all that, that that's about eight to 10,000 BC. Um, this is our first real sort of change in Humanity, and it's one of the biggest that we ever have. Um, around 8,000 BCE, maybe a little later, uh, humanity 
figure something out that changes the course of our species forever. We don't really know where, we don't really know how, other than trial and error, but eventually humans figured out that it's easier to plant and take care of and harvest crops and animals than to chase them around and constantly collect them from where they are in the wild, AKA farming and ranching are more productive, easier, and simpler than hunting, gathering, being nomads. This is a gigantic change in the world of humans. It doesn't sound that exciting, but I cannot tell you how different this is because if you become a farming, animal-raising society, guess what? You need to stay in the same place for most, if not all, of your life all year round, which means nomads are gone and permanent settlements are beginning to pop up throughout the 7, 6, 5,000 BC. Uh, we start seeing villages. We start seeing uh, tribes and tribal groups. We start seeing the first larger collections of humans, you know, a few dozen, uh, 50, 100, um, gathered around these areas of harvesting and growing food from seeds and harvesting meat from animals they raise to are that from nomads. Um, this is called the Neolithic, N-E-O-L-I-T-H-L-I-C. The Neolithic Revolution. So, the Neolithic Revolution, again, revolves around those two major features. Agriculture, a.k.a. farming, and raising and taking care of and learning how to train animals, which is called animal domestication. This is the giant turning point between early humans and humans. Um, I wouldn't call them modern yet, but they're not early man anymore. They are now man. Um, we're about to talk about how we shift again in just a moment. Take a brief pause here allow you to catch up on your writing or uh start a new page because it's about to evolve another step ahead right after this okay we're back so we've just gotten to the neolithic revolution that moment in time where farming agriculture and animal domestication takes the world by storm this happens in asia this happens in the americas it happens in europe it happens in the middle east it happens in australia it's a phenomenon that catches on like wildfire because it is so successful. A um, couple of things happened because of the Neolithic Revolution. All of a sudden, mankind starts being able to have a lot more food. They can grow more successfully. And they are able to eat better because of this. When you're able to eat better and eat more, you're healthier. When you're healthier... You live longer. When you live longer, you have more humans. AKA, the better your food supply is, the more babies are going to come out. So, when humans start settling down and farming, 
the population booms. And we go from a scattered species of, you know, numbers below the millions to huge amounts of people in only a couple thousand years' time. Um, another big thing that shifts is because these settlements of Neolithic Revolution, these agricultural settlements, are permanent and they are successful, people tend to gather near them because they need to work there and they need to enjoy all the nice food that they're producing. So we start seeing more and more people gathering in one region, one area, one you know section of the world together. Instead of just being every man for himself spread out nomads, people are starting to kind of pile together in like clumps, you can kind of think of. Um, this is what causes the rise of our very first, very big word here, civilizations. Now, people use the term civilization all the time, um, sometimes incorrectly, but a civilization is different than a group of people in a couple of major ways. A civilization, first off, it's going to have a fairly large group of people, but that's not all it has to have. It's got a large group of people. It has a cultural tradition, either religion, um, it's got art, it's got music, it's got dancing, it's got celebrations, ceremonies, that kind of thing. Uh, it has a language. It may or may not write that language down. Um, it has cities or towns. It has large, permanent, complex areas with public buildings, with housing, with storage, with streets and, and roads and sidewalks and paths, um, sometimes walls, sometimes uh, towers, depending on where they are. But... Uh, it would stand out a lot differently than, say, just a random village that's a few wooden buildings. This would be stone. This would be concrete. It would be, um, you know, cut roads, but not paved. Um, we start seeing our first civilizations. Um, they have also social classes within the civilizations. Not all people are created equally in early civilizations or in any civilizations. Um, there is a ranking, a structure, a, a hierarchy, um, a leveling system of your value to the civilization based on what you do, how much you have, sadly, whether you're a man or a woman, um, what religion you follow, uh, and who your parents are, whatever your family is. Uh, all these things kind of put together determine whether you're a very important person or a very unimportant person, that kind of thing. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, um, whether you're powerful or not powerful. Um, it's kind of the luck of the draw based on who you're born to. Um, but social structures are something we still see today. You've got your celebrities, you've got your athletes, you've got your politicians, and then you've got your, you know, uh, local leaders and your local celebrities and your star high school athletes then you've got everybody else you know there, there's a clear like leveling of importance to people this is social classes um 
You also have public works. These civilizations have some sort of an early form of providing goods and services for their people, uh, taking care of the people who take care of it. This can come in the form of running water, wells, sewage, um, some sort of a police or fire de department, but a very, very old school version of that. Um, an army, a uh, government, that kind of thing. The, the, the civilization has a whole ec extra section that just does nothing but provide for the people in it. Um, hospitals, temples, public temples, uh, public parks, that kind of thing. Uh, all those are public services. Today, we have things like um, affordable housing from the government. People get SNAP benefits, food stamps, EBT, that kind of thing. All that is a more advanced current version of what's called a public service. Early civilizations have this too. Um, and lastly, you have a division of labor, which means that for the first time in human history, in these civilizations, you have people with other jobs than just guy who makes or gathers food or cuts food down. You don't just have everybody being a hunter, everybody being a farmer. You start seeing the rise of people who specialize in other jobs, artists, soldiers, uh, chefs and cooks, uh, construction workers, laborers, that kind of thing, architects. Uh, people have more time to learn other skills. They have the freedom to learn other skills than just not starving. So life gets a lot more modern, a lot better. Um, so this is kind of the backbone of early civilization. Language, culture, um, religious structure, a complex permanent city or town, um, a government structure, social classes, and people being able to have different types of jobs. Uh, all these are features of the major civilizations. Um, aside from that, they are distinctly unique and different. Uh, these civilizations have different religions, they have different governments, they're located in different parts of the world, but they all have that same sort of skeleton in the background that is the same. Um, now, we're going to start breaking down these early civilizations in just a moment, but before we do, I want you to briefly take a second, if you have a globe, take a look at it. Where do you think these first civilizations popped up? Without Googling it, um, where would you, if you were building a civilization, where would you lay down the groundwork? Where would be the best place for you to build your city? Uh, think about that for a second, and we're going to come right back. I've got a quick answer for you in just a sec. Okay, so hopefully you came up with a pretty good idea of where the first civilization should be located, or at least you have a strong opinion about it. If you do, you're probably correct. Now, here is the answer to that all-important question. Where do these first civilizations pop up? And it may, you may think it's a complicated explanation, but it's really not. It's a one-word answer, and that is water. Water, H2O. 
specifically not salt water, fresh water. Um, these civilizations, even though they're compl complex and large amounts of people, they think like ordinary people, and they have the same needs as everyday people, which is food and water more than anything. Step one in life is making sure you don't die of thirst. Step two is making sure you don't die of hunger. So it only makes sense that these civilizations would pop up in the places where they least have to worry about a supply of food and water um, along sources of great fresh water. Um, we're going to talk about a handful of them. I'm just going to give you some brief insight. Um, there's a lot of detail we could cover. My regular world history class will be talking about these for a day each. Um, but the main thing is you need to know that these people laid down the groundwork for the civilizations to come. Um, and they sort of set the whole pattern in motion of civilizations growing, become more powerful, and that leads to empires, and etc. So the first one that we know of, in parentheses, because there's always new discoveries being made, but right now the first civilization most historians would argue was located in the region called Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, that is a fancy term for the area in the Middle East, in what's now modern-day Iraq and uh, a little bit of Iran, which is the area between two rivers, the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Um, not only is having one source of fresh water great, but having one and then another and being sandwiched in between two of them is even better. Um, Mesopotamia pops up in the, in the Middle East region, like I said, around Iraq. We still have a few ancient, very, very ancient uh, artifacts and evidence of these early cities. Um, these are some of the earliest civilizations ever created um, and some of the earliest ever written about. Um, a lot of the cities of the Bible pop up in Mesopotamia, um, most notably Ur, U-R. Um, the city of Ur is famous for being the hometown of the biblical and Islamic and Judaic fi uh, figure, Abraham. Um, Abraham, that's his hometown. So we're talking really, really old. Um, about 4,000 or so B.C., give or take. Um, Mesopotamia is using these two rivers to create fertile, very well-irrigated crops. Um, they domesticate animals there. They have oxen. They have goats, sheep, cows, um, horses, all that kind of stuff. And this is where the very first groundworks of our civilization come from. Um, Mesopotamia also, if you look at it with like a time lapse, you will see it almost looks like a billboard that gets constantly covered up and replaced by a new billboard. Mesopotamia is such a valuable, fertile, ideal area that major empires throughout history constantly are either basing their civilization out of that region or included in their overall empire later on. Um... So, Mesopotamia is the big first one. Mesopotamia has 
uh, an elaborate god system. They have many gods. Most of these civilizations are what we call polytheistic. Uh, polytheistic is another big fancy word that basically just means they have a lot of gods. They've got a god for all sorts of stuff. You've got a sun god, a wind god, a, a rain god, a fertility god, that kind of thing. Um, it's not unique to Mesopotamia, but the names they give them and what they look like are unique. Um, Mesopotamia is also famous for having the first that we know of, uh, earliest written language. Uh, this is called Sumerian. Um, I cannot read it, although I have tried to learn. Sumerian is essentially slashes and tally marks turned forwards, backwards, up on their sides um, to mean different things. It, it looks like gibberish to us today unless you're an extremely um, hard researching professor, but we know it was used to count stuff, to keep records, to write stories, to communicate. It was language, and they put it down on clay tablets. Um, we also have our first legal system in Mesopotamia. Uh, it's called the Code of Hammurabi. The Code of Hammurabi is the very first that we know of written legal code. Um, Hammurabi is a famous king of the time who implemented the legal system, so he gets all the credit for it. Um, it's the first of many, but it's one of the earliest basis of everyday law. I mean, most of the laws in the Code of Hammurabi are pretty straightforward. Don't kill people. Don't steal from people. Don't beat each other up. Um, don't uh, cheat on your wife, that kind of thing. It's, it's sort of Ten Commandments sounding because it came about around that same time period. Um, so Mesopotamia is the big early one. That's its most famous claim to fame is it's the, the earliest one, arguably. Um, we're going to go a little bit to the west of Mesopotamia across the nation of Iran today and a little bit across uh, the Arabian Peninsula uh, and that's going to take us to our other big civilization in that sort of zip code of the earth, um, which would be ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt, the one everybody knows. This is the big famous one, um, mainly because they like to build pyramids and they had some pretty crazy rituals when you died. But ancient Egypt, other than those two features, was a lot like Mesopotamia. They had an elaborate government, elaborate religion. They had complex cities with, you know, detailed buildings. They had a rich culture, social classes, all that stuff. Um, the big difference in Egypt is they took it to the next step. Their buildings were even bigger than Mesopotamia. Their religion was even more complicated. Their government was even more, uh, more levels. Their social classes were even more deep. Um, the Egyptian religion is very famous for having very famous gods and a lot of them and very famous rituals and icons and symbols in their artwork, famous buildings, mummification once you die, all that kind of stuff comes out of ancient Egypt. But, I mean, it's an early civilization just like Mesopotamia. It's only a few centuries later, um, not really much behind it at all. Um, and like Mesopotamia, Egypt situates along water. Again, water is the key here. 
This time the water comes in the form of a gigantic river that rolls through Africa called the Nile. Everybody knows the Nile. Uh, well, the Nile ends at the top of Egypt. Nile flows from south to north. So it starts at the bottom of Africa. It ends up pouring into the top. Um, this creates a very rich, fertile land called a delta, which is basically just really high nutrient, fertile soil, very wet, very dense earth, um, great for planting, great for crops, a.k.a. civilization. So it happens there. Um, Egypt has a legacy sort of like Mesopotamia in that it lasts throughout basically all of history. It's constantly getting new ownership, new management, new empires take control of it or lose it. But Egypt's always a player uh, throughout history. Um, even today, things that happen in Egypt will end up on the, the evening news. It's, it's a major area, a lot of people, and, and it's very famous. Um, so... Those are our two sort of Middle Eastern, Eurasian, Eurasian kind of means that area, halfway in Europe, halfway in Asia, middle ground sort of area. Um, now we're going to move on to the one that is the longest lasting, I would say. It's hard to put a description on it, but... The one that has the longest cultural heritage in terms of they can trace back the direct traditions and uh, legacy to the very first people there. And that is, again, situated on a land between two different rivers, this time the Yangtze and the Yellow River. Uh, this is in China. So, ancient China. We're talking another great early civilization. We're talking a few hundred years after Mesopotamia, around the same time as Egypt. Ancient China is also using the same features as the other two. Cities, um, complex buildings, government systems, culture, religion, social structure, language, uh, trade, and that kind of thing. Um, the difference between China and all the others is that China stays the same cultural roots the entire time. Uh, all the way until about the 19, early 1900s, China is ruled by the same structure of society in 3500 BC as it is in 500 BC, as it is in 500 CE, as it is in 1000 CE, all the way up until about 100 years ago. Um, this is called the Chinese dynasties. Dynasties, which is basically a very wealthy, powerful family that claims to be picked by God or gods to be the best rulers for the land. Um, China has a very fertile land in between these rivers. They harvest crops, but a different type of crop. Instead of wheat and grain, like we saw in Egypt and Mesopotamia, they harvest rice and things like that in, in China, but the basics are the same. Um, and then we have 
the last one we're going to mention, which is, shockingly, spoiler alert, along a river again, and that is the Indus River Valley Civilizations. The Indus Valley Civilizations. This is located, if you can't tell from the name of the river, Indus, India, uh, India, around specifically the river that separates India and modern-day Pakistan, the Indus River. Very hard-flowing, very dense, deep river that cuts through the mountains and the lowlands of India at the bottom, empties out into the ocean. The Indus River Valley Civilization they build incredibly complex cities. They have another detailed multi-god religion like all the others. They have um, rich agricultural economy like all the others. They have a language. They have a culture. They have social structure. All that's sort of the same. Um, the Indus River Valley is the birthplace of Hinduism later on. It is the roots of the modern-day Indian cultural tradition. Um, as you can see, these cultures, they have unique, distinct identities, but the bones inside each one, the structure, the, the, the framework of each one is along the same building blocks. That's what you need to get out of this podcast today, is that these civilizations all share very specific things in common. I hope you're picking up on that pattern. This class is all about patterns. Uh, hype button for pattern. Um, so, all these early civilizations thrive, grow, prosper, and gain power throughout the next couple of millennia until roughly 1000 BC. Um, and we start seeing the birth of the next step in humanity. We go from nomadic groups to tribes to villages to towns to civilizations to empires. An empire is a group of several civilizations all linked together under the same governing group. So Mesopotamia would be one spot on the map of an empire. Um, the Indus River cities along the Indus River Valley that might be a third of the land area of the Indian Empire somewhere. Um, an empire is just the next logical step up. Um, a city is a group of villages. A civilization is a group of cities. An empire is a group of civilizations. Um, we will talk about that on our follow-up episode that comes up after this one. So keep listening and check back for episode two which will be all about these early ancient empires. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you have any questions, feel free to email me, and I will talk to you guys soon.